five, four, three, two, one. There was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people to see if they could become something more. See if they could work together when we needed them to. To fight the battles that we never could. Justin and Tim and Scott, how are you guys? Toby McGuire used to be Spider Man. <laughs> and that other guy is very off guard. Talk about. <laughs> then it was another guy. He was another guy. Nobody cares. Hey, this is the third, third, second reboot of Spider Man in the mm-hmm. MCU. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Second um, reboot. Second reboot. Um, Toby McGuire and then Andrew Garfield, who is is what he is. I mean, I didn't hate him. A lot of people hated him. Um, also, a lot of people hated Tobey Maguire in Spider-Man 3. Um, but I feel like we finally landed... A lot of people landed... just hated Spider-Man 3. Yes, yeah. also yes. Those are actually <laughs> rare, you know, obviously is the, the, the newish comer to all these. Um, but those were the, some of the movies I actually did see. I did see the first two. I think I saw the, the third one was a Topher Grace, right? That was that one? Correct. Yep. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So all three. So those were actually uh, the rarity of comic book movies I knew fairly well. Um, I've seen the first couple quite a bit. So. Okay, well, that's a good starting off point. What did you think about this version of Spider-Man to begin with? This version of the Tobey Maguire? Yeah, Man? no, this version. Uh, no, comparison. I, um, <clears throat> so it's it's obviously radically different in a way. I guess they're both in high school, right? Tobey's hmm. in high school in the first one. But um, this is definitely presented... I guess it's just a, a time thing, too. Like, this is a very modern take on high school, so it's very different than, uh, it shouldn't seem like it's that different, but it is from high school in just 2001 or whatever, when Tobey Maguire was there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I liked it. I mean, I this definitely has a feel that's different than um, the other MCU movies with the high school piece. It makes it a little bit more, I don't say real, because obviously none of it's really real, but... Um, it definitely makes it feel um, just like it's it's really uniquely in its own world uh, and, and a different vibe about it all. But at the same time, it's it's in that world. So they do a good job of divide, dividing it up, I guess. I don't know. And making it feel like, all right, this is how their very unique world is altered by everything that we've been seeing going on, um, which almost in a way makes it feel like, yes, it's about Spider-Man and Peter Parker, but because it's 
now so far into this extended universe that's been built, um, it, it feels part of that. Versus like the Tobey Maguire movies feel like they're just about Spider-Man, right? I don't, know, I don't know if that makes sense, but to me this felt more like now at this point we're in the universe, it's about the universe. What happens here may be a standalone, but is also going to affect other stuff going on. Um, so it's not as spotlit just on Spider-Man, and I don't mean that in a bad way. Um, so there's like two of the differences that jump out to me out of the gate. I would agree with that, and um, it's it's the Tony Stark of it all that mm-hmm. ties it all together, as it should, honestly. Um, their relationship is key for me in the MCU, and um, it sort of started in, in Civil War, but this expands on it so much more um so we're in the uh third phase of the mcu in 2017 with spider-man homecoming and um it's like uh it it feels like they're trying to restart um this whole thing and give the entire mcu a very much needed youth boost what mm-hmm. do you think tim yeah yeah, definitely. This is their youth movement here in the MCU. Um, and I kind of agree with what Justin was saying earlier about the difference between this version, this depiction of Spider-Man on screen versus the previous iterations. I mean, Tobey Maguire, the first film, and I like, I pretty much enjoy those movies. Even, Me too. I even think the third one has its charms, even Same. though it is easily the weakest link. Um but he's only, I mean, he's a high school senior in the first movie. He graduates at the end of it, and then he's in college for the other two. Um, I think Andrew Garfield, he was, those were technically supposed to be set during high school, but he sure didn't feel like a high school student, did he? Um, no, but I, I don't hate on those movies as much as a lot of people do. Um. I have a strong dislike for those movies, uh-huh. but I, but I don't think they're necessarily as bad as movies as people make them out to be. I just I really don't like them as Spider-Man movies, um, and I thought that his Spider-Man came across as a complete douchebag. Um, <laughs> Which, honestly, the character is kind of a dude. I mean, like, if this character really existed, he, you know, the way he clowns on people and stuff, I mean, it's funny to read in the comics, but it probably would come across like that. But, um, so I kind of see, I kind of get what he was doing, but I, I I just, it left bad taste in mouth. Um, but he sort of, it sort of felt like, um, he's more of an undercover cop in a high school. (laughs) (laughs) 21 Jump Street Spider-Man? 21 Jump Street Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I know he was, I mean, not even that much younger than Tobey Maguire, so that probably doesn't help. But, yeah, I mean, it just, it didn't feel like that's, it didn't feel like Spider-Man was a high school kid in any of those other movies. And here we we have a Spider-Man who truly does feel like a kid. Mm-hmm. And, um... I, I just I like that they took that approach in the MCU for this character. Um, it's probably borrowing more from the Ultimate comics, right. where you know Spider-Man is uh, this teenager throughout really the entirety of that run, and uh, 
I just I think that because of the accessibility of that series um, to any comics reader, it was the right it was the right approach to take here. From somebody who's who's read Spider Man almost his whole life, I mean, the one thing I love about just getting back getting to the comics part of it before I before we get to the movies for me, um, Stan Lee I think always as much as he loved Cap and he loved Iron Man, I think he always believed that Spider Man was the face of Marvel. Like Marvel always went through. We've talked about this with other when we talked about the other MCU headliners. Um, DC has. Superman, Batman, and and for the most part, Wonder Woman. They're like the, the trifecta. Mostly Superman, but Batman and Wonder Woman as well. Marvel, the even over the even into the like the 60s, 70s, into the 80s for the books, the face of Marvel always changed. It, it would either be it was Cap when it changed in the 50s and 60s, and then Tony for the most part, but he was never a, totally a headliner for Marvel, but he was one of the best books. It was pretty much Spider-Man, and then when they got popular, X-Men. And whenever you watch the cartoons back in the day, this 80s, when it had the Marvel Comics uh, like open, it always had Spider-Man's face on it as like the copyright kind of thing. So I, I've, read, I've read Spider-Man my whole life. He's one of my favorite books from the old, you know, spectacular. Testament, the, yes. The, uh, the old, yeah. <laughs> Spider-Man and, Mo- Spider and Moses. Yeah. <laughs> The they were bros. He dropped. He yeah. It was uh, yeah. P, uh, Peter dropped the five the, the five commandments. So there was fifteen instead of ten. Like mm, yeah. But uh, but uh, the one thing I I annoyed me about um, the Tobies and particularly the Garfields is not the Peter side of it, but like when when he was Spider Man in the books, and I think this is kind of where you where you were going with Tim about about mm. attitude. Mm-hmm. Um. He was confident when he was Spider-Man, always. And even when he had his do, and this was this goes back to like even the the animated series in the early '80s, and definitely the one in the '90s. Uh, you know, he always had his one-liner, snappy one-liners to to Jay Jonah, or even to the bad guys, Doc Ock or Goblin or whatever. But it was that, like a form of escape for him. Yeah, exactly. Like. It was a chance for him to let loose while he was swinging through the city. But Peter as confident as he was always tried to juggle with Mary Jane and, you know, aunt may and all that. The movies didn't go that route per se. Like Toby Maguire was just a putz like all around, but he was the first two movies. It was, it was kind of endearing. Uh, whereas in the third, I like the third one too. The problem was they tried to jam two movies into one and fucked it up. But, but then he tried to be too pushy and then he looked like a, then he looked like a dick when he was actually somewhat endearing in the first two movies. Andrew Garfield never looked like that. And and I think that was mm-hmm. always a problem. The one thing I like about this Spider-Man is, first of all, Tom Holland's a great actor. And he, lo- like, first off, we didn't need an origin story, thank God, because the origin stories is usually where the fuck-ups happen. So it was good that we didn't have an origin story. He was already yeah. Spider-Man. That's what I think him being in Civil War was huge. Right. Because yeah. we didn't need, all right, here he is, he's a fucking dork, and he's in the lab, and the spider Uncle bites, ben, and he doesn't the fucking yeah, no, yeah, 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 and all this shit. Yeah, yeah. We didn't need to see that for, like, the 90th yeah. fucking time. We yes. did not need that. So, the fact that we already knew who he was made this movie uh, awesome. The one thing I will say is, given who plays on May, if Joe Pesci was Uncle Ben, that would have been... <laughs> 
Stop hanging around those youths. <laughs> okay. Okay, okay, okay. Do you want the grits? How do you like your grits? <laughs> yeah, grits, okay? Okay? Um, I but, kinda uh, want that now. <laughs> with great power comes great fucking Okay? <laughs> um, you jerk off. And then no. they fucking shoot him. He's like, ah, oh, fucking diet. <laughs> <The> fucking <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, but Tom Holland did the perfect setup. He loved being Spider Man. He embraced being Spider Man. He may not know what the fuck he was doing in terms of like how to handle the hero aspect of it, which is what Tony would help him do in this movie. But he loved being Spider Man. <laughs> he wasn't clumsy and falling and shooting webs in people's faces and like he he didn't act like you know what the fuck he was doing. He was established. It had happened. And that part was set. So we didn't have to waste movie time on that part. So I was going to say, but the Peter side always needs to be not clumsy, but always on guard. And that's kind of, Tim, where your whole narc uh, <laughs> uh, theory comes in. Because he's always on guard. Because he's got to protect this. And he's protecting yeah. his buddy. He's protecting his classmates. He's protecting sexy Aunt May. You know, he's protecting because that's his, that's what he thinks his responsibility is so instead of being kind of dopey and clueless he's got all of the tools but he's just not sure how to utilize them maturely and that's why i love love tony stark's performance in or you know robert downey and tony's performance in this movie because it's the first time that tony's actually comes off as unselfish very responsible takes the kid under his wing realizes don't i may be cool but don't be me because i'm a fuck up you need to be different kind of thing so i love this might be my favorite incarnation of of the of not only the superhero side but of peter parker i think tom holland does a fantastic job because he's the peter parker that kind of is like the animated series both in the early 80s and in the 90s where he was older uh but kind of got it but knew he had a balancing act but didn't come off as like awkward and and like kind of out of sorts. He just needed to figure out the perfect way to balance it, but he knew that he had to. So he was very mature. And he also looked like a high school kid. What's the consensus? I feel like is McGuire the most of the three, like the mo or is Holland the, the top of the mainly of the fans? I feel I like think... it's Holland at this point. Yeah, at this point I think he's overtaken it. Yeah. For a while you, you still had kind of the Trevor McGuire. Truth, yeah, faithful. Um, now, in Toby Maguire's defense, I mean, no, and again, no, and I'm and I'm lauding Tom Holland, but he does have the benefit of being in the best time of superhero movies. True. So he's got the crew yeah. around him yeah. to help him. Doesn't mean he's not he's not he doesn't deserve the credit, but he's got the best platform. Whereas Toby, it, I mean, it was the first Spider-Man big screen movie, pretty yeah. much ever. So and they were good. I mean, they, no, they, they were just, great. Yeah. They were they were great. But I think. Tom gets the benefit, gets, you know, he, he is the best. There's no doubt. But he does, it doesn't hurt that he's had the most mm. sustainable platform to show it with all of these other studs around him and females. So. And I think we've replaced the Uncle Ben storyline with, like, the um, Avenger in Waiting storyline where yeah. he, he's come off of, like, you know, all of the Avenger stuff and the Civil War, and he was a big part in that. But And he's... He's on standby. Like, he thinks he's, like, gonna be called up at any point. Like, 
I'm ready. I'm ready to be Spider-Man. Like, like I'm Dennis not... Stamp. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm not booked, but I want to be booked. Hey, and he has, a, he has an insect on his uniform, too, just like right. Ben Right. <laughs> Said it's on a cockroach. <laughs> I um I have real mixed feelings about that aspect of the character in the MCU. That I'll I'll try to um, just to keep it brief because uh, we'll we'll sort of get into this as as we delve into the movie itself. But um I just have this attitude that when you introduce a like a major character into um, this MCU timeline, I'm talking like a, a Tony Stark, a Captain America, um, a Thor, a, a Spider-Man now, right? These are pillars of the Marvel Universe. As Scott was talk- at saying earlier, Spider-Man, if, if anything, if any character has been their flag bearer over the years, um, it really is Spider-Man. I kind of think you need to bend that world and that um, cinematic universe to suit the character, right? If, if there are things that maybe were a little bit inconsistent or a little bit jarring, you just, you just kind of adjust uh, just in service of you've got to get the character right. The world will kind of take care of itself. Um, and because Spider-Man was a little bit late to the party here in the MCU, in some ways I feel like they've kind of twisted the character to fit the world. Um, and I'm not saying that's an entirely bad thing because I do really like the setup of the MCU. I like the world that they've built, um, as just a fictional universe, but I do feel like they've, they've made little kind of minor compromises in ways to, to the character that makes him feel sort of, I don't know, less than he could be as Spider-Man. Is it because they've tied his villain into the whole Avengers story? A little um, bit, yeah. Yeah. Just like I mean his yeah. villain doesn't exist without the Avenger like post Avengers New York and um mm-hmm. the the way that they frame this story. And at the same time I say that, but I'm like, I was like I wanted to see another uh uh fucking uncle ben death scene like i wanted a hole in the head at the time that (laughs) it was like nobody wanted to see not a single soul wanted to see another origin so it's like i'm i'm kind of fine with skipping that but like i don't know one of the one of the complaints i see more and more online is well they just replaced uncle ben with with tony stark and i'm like not exactly but really but I do kind of get the rationale. Like, I, I know where someone's coming from when they say that. Because it is a little bit too, like, like it, they've made so much of that relationship. And it does really work for, mm-hmm. again, the cinematic universe. But it's like, it's not really Spider-Man. The Spider-Man that I think of, you know, who's mm-hmm. more self-sufficient, more of a loner not particularly a team player, although in more recent years, he kind of has been. Um, That's interesting. I never really thought of it that way, but I can see that. Yeah. Peter. It's the type of thing that it might bother me more over time, but as of, you know, the entry point here and what is this 2017 of Spider-Man homecoming? uh, it, It felt, it all felt very fresh to me. So I don't really have that issue so much in this movie. It's just, th- there's been some, some conceptual drift. I'll put it that way. And the way they frame 
this um, and and a way to like really endear you to to Spider Man and that relationship is his um, home video scenes in the beginning where he's filming like mm-hmm. the behind the scenes of going to Germany <laughs> to do like the whole the whole mm, Civil War yeah. deal and yeah. to Berlin and um, how stoked he is and like his interactions with Happy. Uh, his interactions with Tony and the limo there. And uh, so like everything that they do in the very beginning is just totally designed to suck you in to this version. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's really good. Yeah, although I will say eight years feels like um, <clears throat> a long time, <laughs> a long time. Yeah. Um, a long the time. jump from Avengers in New York versus like civil war. I don't know. For some reason, when they said eight years, it's wrong. It felt jarring. <laughs> yeah. They, yeah. they came out later and said that that was a mistake. <laughs> no, they really did. They were like, right, "Yeah, because Avengers I don't know. is what 2012. It's supposed 2012, to be 2012. Yeah. So this goes to 2020. I mean, I, I guess it's it's probably not too far they, off, right? Because there's an end game like 2023. Yeah, they, but they said they didn't mean to make a time jump or anything. They're like, "Yeah, it was supposed to be more like six years, and we <laughs> fucked up and quit eight and forgot to fix it." I, didn't I mean, know they, that either. <laughs> yeah, hmm. they're like, "I don't know what happened." Because there are all these people losing their minds trying to. Like there, there are all these like timeline videos and shit going up on YouTube. Like, well, if you sl- you slot this movie in here, well, you you got to reverse the order and say that this happened at the same time as this, but really this happened over here, and this was a year, two years out. And they're like, no, we fucked up. Oh <laughs> no, not comic logic. Okay, so yeah, yeah that's good <laughs> because I definitely felt like it seems a little long. I almost wonder if they're gonna like digitally fix that. <laughs> they haven't yet. They should. But, I mean, right from there, though, from, yeah, the video diaries, I thought was great. They used Happy to kind of tie things together and dial you back to where we were. And I thought the high school, school stuff is really good. It just, again, feels different to see this version, this universe, and them dealing with actual high school stuff. Like, even Tobey Maguire, like, that, those were in high school, but he's not really dealing with, like, high school stuff. You know what I mean? Not really. But this Graduating. is, like, first one. Really? Right. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. for this one, we got Homecoming. You know, it's like we kind of see more of the day-to-day school stuff outside of just the superhero piece. So like, I think that made it definitely feel out. Plus we had Guilfoyle from Silicon Valley as a professor. <laughs> mm. Great. Always happy to see him. Um, Going yeah. again, it doesn't feel like Miami or Miami vice. Um, <laughs> what are we doing? Wow. <laughs> no, I don't. Miami no. vice in high school. No. It does feel like 21 jump street with, with, uh, Tobey Maguire in high school. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, and I agree with what Scott said too, where we don't get the full origin story. Um, I like he's already Spider-Man, right? So we're seeing it. So he's kind of bored. He's trying to save people. So we're getting like the the second tier of of his story versus how he's learning and finds out and becomes Spider-Man. Um, so though that was good too. So we also in the beginning get a look at the um, what is happening sort of practically with uh, mm. the results of the war in New York where they have mm. all this alien tech that's just like being salvaged. And um, a lot of people have based their entire like lives on uh, salvaging this stuff, selling it, making new shit out of it, etc. Well, I'm just cleaning up the city too. Yeah, yeah, basically just, just cleaning it up. The whole city's been yep. ravaged and... I mean, I, I kind of appreciate that aspect of it, too. Whether it's eight years, six years, however long it's been, um, that's a hell of a cleanup job mm-hmm. in the wake of that uh, Battle of New York that we see is still going on with um, 
uh, damage control, right? Great, um, which is a great, yeah, little nod to the comics, too. Um, so Tyne Daly comes in there and says, nope, uh, fuck all y'all. Um, mm-hmm. We're taking over all this shit. And uh, uh, our villain that we end up meeting is Michael Keaton, who says, no, I'm going to continue to do this. And uh, we're going to go black market on this. And he makes an entire career mm-hmm. and business and uh, a ton of money on stealing this tech and using it and modifying it. Um I don't blame him. I think it's genius, and I love it for a villain. Right from the jump, we get a pretty good sympathetic villain here in this yeah. movie, which something that uh, the the MCU films prior to this haven't yes. always done the best job of. Yes. Right, that is more... one of my main things about this movie. It gave me one of my most beloved villains in a time where I felt like we really needed it. Mm-hmm. No, he's good. It's a relatable feeling. Um, for sure, and it's a clear damage motive. control took your job, Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a clear motive. I mean, a hundred percent clear it motive, is. and outlined why. And it's like he doesn't even want to fuck with Severe. Like he doesn't want to be messed around with Spider-Man or any of this stuff, right? It's like he just wants to use the shit that was rightfully his when they were cleaning up and and uh, do his thing and just be left alone um, because he's fighting for the everyman. Um, and I kind of liked having, for once, just like. A bunch of regular assholes as the heels, kind of. Yeah, they got the high end <laughs> weapons, but it felt yep. different, and it ad- added some grit to it, you know. Versus like it being a super powered, you know, bad guy or a high level, you know, super smart someone that was trying to mimic, you know, like, like whatever, like the fake Iron Man, the fake Hulk, and the fake this and that. Like this at least felt like just a fucking dude that fell ass backwards into something really good for him and. Um, you know, they're just like a bunch of low-level street dudes trying to figure this shit out and make it useful. And then it also absolutely corrupts him. Um, oh. It becomes addicted to that and, you know, won't stand to not be able to do that and does increasingly uh, fucked up things in order to keep it, uh, which is also relatable. Mm. And one thing I've always thought about Michael Keaton, I love Michael Keaton. He's my He's amazing. One favorite actors he's my favorite batman um he he's always cast in like the perfect spot like like any other like when you think of for instance to to use another spider-man movie willem dafoe was the perfect norman osborne because he's Mm -hmm. creepy as fuck yeah and and the other thing of a scientist want to play doc ock in this Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's great casting. I, I mean, he's really good in this. It's a perfect. They always put him in a situation where you're like, yeah, what? No, yeah, he, you're. He's. He has a right to be a dick. And and uh, it was also written perfectly. And we get into it. Also, the validation of him being the the not likable villain. I wouldn't say that way. The sympathetic villain comes out in the climax of the movie, which we'll get to later. Uh, because what. Spider-Man does for him, we never saw any of the other good guys, any of the other uh, 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 MCU headliners do for any of the other bad guys, except maybe Thor with Loki, but they're related, so that really doesn't count. Uh, so that's why it's amazing. The right, I think that's why this is such a great movie. Like the, the sympathetic writing, and this goes back to what you were saying, JR. You're right, you hit the nail on the head. It's about time we, we needed 
you know, we've even even when we've had movies on Earth, everybody's all like jacked up and cosmic, and it's nice that we just got a bunch of fucking thieves, just good old fashioned thieves. Not bad at all, you know. And it's at Spider Man's level. Like Spider Man can't handle the fucking uh, ice elves or whatever the ice whatever they are in uh, giants. The, yeah, the ice giants and fucking, you know. Uh, what's his name in the Guardians of the Galaxy? And like, like these are Spider-Man speed. You know what I mean? And and I think that's perfect. And it's a it's a good grounded way to have a nice Earthbound story between good and bad, even if the bad uh, has a, a a moral code, if you will. So getting back to Michael Keaton, I think it's a perfect spot for him. They were perfect to cast him in that. I spot. like them all wearing the Avengers masks too. That was funny. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. That ATM scene is awesome. It's like one of my favorite scenes of all the movies. I love it. Good banter in that as well from Peter. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Cracking on, cracking on the criminals. But um, so we have some more cast members here. I'm interested on you guys' thoughts uh, on Zendaya as MJ. I feel like that was a swerve. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's well done. Like I don't think I really piece it together that she was i mean i kind of did obviously based on the name but it's like you didn't really know the direction they were going to go with the whole thing and the way it all plays out later with the swerve um i thought i mean i thought she was good in the role like i kind of it was actually like questions i had marked down like was there backlash from the real nerdy nerds or you know the (laughs) diehards right that are like so slavish like that she didn't fit the typical Mary Jane. I mean, there always is, but mm-hmm. I don't know if it was as, like a big thing or not. It wasn't a big thing that I that I could remember. I mean, I don't know. I feel like I saw like did you some see some things? I think Marissa Tomei was more was the nerds shit their pants about that. I think more than Zendaya. I well, did see a little bit. I agree with you, Jenny. I saw because... little. Why they wanted a fucking dusty ass old Aunt May? Yeah, yeah. that's the, yeah, yeah, yes, yes. the answer. Is yes, they did. They wanted. They wanted uh who the fuck was uh who the hell was she in the other who who was it? <laughs> I'm trying to remember who was uh old ass dusty Aunt May. Was, yeah, I'm trying to think who the old uh Estelle Getty. <laughs> Estelle Getty. <laughs> yeah. Estelle. Um Corey Feldman. Cor- uh, <laughs> uh, Corey Feldman. Um I gotta look. But I, I I remember seeing more of that than I did Zendaya. I thought because she acted like MJ. Even though technically, the whole—I don't think they meant for her to be MJ, but they wanted you to be reminded that the dynamic is similar. Mm-hmm. So I never really saw a lot of crap about that. You know what I, I did saw more crap about Marissa Tomei, which I don't understand why, but it's fine. What I heard, I, there was a conspiracy theory on on that from uh, one of these like—they're um, like a, a news site, but they're kind of like comics gaty in in terms of like they don't come out and say well oh this sucks because they made a white character black right the really racist like overtly racist takes but they'll do the dog whistly stuff right (laughs) comicbook.com no it's not (laughs) comicbook.com i'm not gonna actually say who it is because i don't really want to promote them um sean kidd they uh that's that's Terrible. SeanKid.com. <laughs> He's too busy bitching about Shazam's outfits or whatever the fuck <laughs> <is going. laughs> um, 
they, their take was that uh, they they changed they changed up a lot of these characters in terms of their traditional depiction uh, because any characters that debut and a Sony Spider-Man movie, Sony fully owns the rights to. Therefore, if Sony wants to go off and do something with Zendaya, this MJ character, and like Marvel doesn't like that, they can say, well, we want to introduce Mary Jane mm-hmm. in a in a Marvel-produced movie with Spider-Man and then say that they're different characters. They like want to... The conspiracy theory was basically they wanted to maintain some some plausible deniability if if they were to exercise that option for whatever reason. But to me, I'm like, all right, they're co-producing this movie with Sony. Mm-hmm. Like the ship is kind of sailed once you've gone there, you know. Like the character is the character, wherever, mm-hmm. whichever, whatever company's film they're introduced in it it's sort of hard to walk it back later uh, i agree i agree with you tim but unfortunately as we've as <clears throat> we've read over the last several years sony are little piss bags about that about this whole they relationship can. so they don't i mean even though you're i think you're exactly right i don't think they fucking care so i i mean they're like fuck it we're taking her and screw you and so i'm not saying i, I don't believe in that conspiracy theory but it it wouldn't surprise me if it was done on the spur of the moment, I'm not saying it was planned. I'm not saying that because I don't believe in that theory, but I do believe that Sony would have done that just to be douchebags at the time of this relationship between Sony and Disney. I could see that happening, but I'm not saying it was planned that way. I wouldn't say that. What I'm, what I, but I do think yeah, I mean, Sony could have done it if she really kicked ass in that role and they wanted to be douchebags about it. They, they could have, I could see them having done it, but I don't think it was laid out that way ahead of time. I could see that being something they did on the on the fly. Well, and they've also kind of subverted the romantic relationship between those two in this movie uh, by giving him uh, another romantic mm-hmm. interest in Liz Toombs, um, who is, I mean, pretty essential to the story. Uh, Peter is mm-hmm. obsessed with her. He has a crush on her, and... But he is very involved in wanting to be Spider-Man, wanting to be an Avenger, and to that end has stopped doing a lot of things that puts him in the same vicinity with his crush, like uh, the decathlon. So she's part of that. He has quit that so he can be Spider-Man and do nothing because he's not being used, except for around in the neighborhood. And... The Liz character is interesting because it really just gives us a way to his villain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I thought that was well done too. Um, Me too. With uh, with her being Vulture's daughter, I mean, I thought the the twist of that's good. The car scene is good, where they play it out. It almost felt like a spin on the Osbournes, right? In a way, too. Um, it did, yeah. You know, with him being friend slash boyfriend and the father being the evil one. Now he's going to navigate this once he figures it out. But that scene in the car is very tense. The only thing I didn't care for is like Peter continuously being so naive. Like, I feel like you should maybe a little less naive at times, but um, in that moment, anyway, I guess he kind of walks himself into it. But I thought the whole, I thought that whole scene was really good. The car scene is one of the most intense in the whole MCU. Like, it fucking blew me away. The way that you... And we're skipping a lot of plot, but honestly, mm-hmm. it's just like... 
Spider-Man shit. Like it's not a real plot-heavy movie. It's it, it's, it's really a very not. it's a very grounded... well. There was the Captain America Fitness Challenge, which was great. Well, yeah, true. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but that car scene when you see Tombs put it all together in that short amount of time like it's chilling his reaction and then it is so dread inducing the way that you feel for Peter when he finally figures it out as well mm-hmm. um, and then his absolute dread and what to do like I could, I could literally just go to this dance and do what I want to do and spend time with this girl but I'm Spider-Man, and I have to do the right thing, and that's what he always tries to do, no matter what. Um, it's it's like the whole crux of his character is where he, again and again, makes a decision for the greater good instead of the greatness of Peter Parker. No, I agree. It's uh, it's definitely a very uh, weighted and heavy scene for sure, where he's got to make that make that decision again to put put the saving saving the world first before his own and, and what happiness. teenager should be like tasked with that right yeah you know it's 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 amazing like it's so much character development for him in this movie mm-hmm. um really i really really love it i really love that part of this movie and um the comedy of it as well like there's so much great comedy relief in this um, well, and one of them too, like you, you kind of mentioned earlier with, we're kind of seeing the reality of what happened, um, like the, with New York and all that, but I thought it, they did a good job of bringing it to light to show how it affects every day. Like the girls in high school are obsessed with the Avengers, talk about, mm-hmm. you know, they're crushing on them. So it's like, it's just bringing that world. And that's what's trying to get across in the beginning. It's like bring that world into this world. It was a cool idea because we don't get that in all the other movies. Like they're all the ones that are kind of standalone aren't as tied in like this is where this is in that Avengers world and it's constantly hovering over us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And again, the humor does work very well in this. I will say yeah. more so than probably any other Spider-Man movie where it feels kind of forced and kind of like this very old, like it's written by an old Hollywood writer. <laughs> even, <laughs> even if it isn't like, it just doesn't feel natural in some of those other movies. And this, you know, feels like, you know, these are kids nutsing around and, you know, you, you definitely, a lot of it is awkward humor, but mm-hmm. I mean, that's very true to that experience. I think, um, I'm trying to think there's a scene where I, I think it's Peter and Ned are, are watching the, uh, the, the battlefield footage from, uh, the, the fight in Germany and they almost get caught and Ned is like, we were just watching porn. <laughs> And, uh, uh, I remember there being even some pearl clutching over that. Like, <laughs> right, yeah. Some fucking old ass adults are like, oh, I can't believe they would suggest some kids are watching porn in a Marvel movie. It's like, get over <laughs> They're yourself. They're teenagers. What yeah. The, um, the scene <laughs> where Ned <laughs> finds out about Peter mm-hmm. too is fucking funny because it's very serious because he's trying to uh, avoid Aunt May. He's like crawling in on the oh, right, ceiling. Right? right? <laughs> yeah. Like gingerly shuts the door maze out there turns around ned fucking drops the whole death star <laughs> the uh, my, my soul died when he dropped. oh my god so yeah drops oh it. my god i know the uh but no that that was really good the way ned finds out and i also like how there was a little parallel of like ned was peter how peter is to tony with the millions of annoying questions like yes. you know that's exactly what peter was doing to tony earlier now that's ned doing it to him like just 
obsessed with trying to figure it out. And that's saying he wants to be his guy in the chair and yep. his in his ear during the fights. And he just embraces it, right? Because he lives in a world where superheroes are for real. Yep. You know? Exactly. Uh, these past exactly. eight years, obviously. Not crazy to him. He's, yeah. He's, so it's yeah. like you know, he he barely even like I mean, like he's freaked out, but then he just gets on board automatically. And I love that about him. Yeah, and that I, character is great. I, I really enjoy him. I do too. Getting now, back to the before we go on, I just want to mention one point about the 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 whole uh, tombs figuring Peter out in the car. That's I think that's another case where Michael Keaton's greatness, mm-hmm. like he didn't. Michael Keaton is so good at just at just elevating it to enough where you're you're chilled. I think oh any. Oh my god, it's so. Ugh. Yeah, I don't think there's any. I think there's other actors that I don't think could have pulled that shit off, like like Michael Keaton did. So and Toph just, hangs in there with him in that scene. Yeah, I agree. It's Absolutely. mesmerizing. Like, it's yeah. amazing. It's a great scene. It's a great scene. Some of... So, on rewatches, I feel like this point gets better for me, usually every time, but um, when we get to the climax of the movie, there's a lot of, like, stuff that seems outrageous that we should not be doing in a Spider-Man movie. Like... Um, hanging on to an invisible um, plane over mm. the city. <laughs> and a lot of that stuff at the end, when I initially watched it, kind of threw me off. But I feel like hindsight makes it better. And I don't know if you guys have rewatched it recently, but like, or if you feel the same way about the climax of the movie, the climax fight scene. Yeah, I mean, I was I was most surprised that uh, the most uh, least believable part to me is that they would just let Happy run this whole operation. Also, um, <laughs> that's a fair point. Like a, I feel like there'd be a little bit more to it than that. But no, I mean, I thought the plane stuff was really good. I thought it was really well done. My issues with all of it kind of surround everything but the plane. Like, you know, one thing I, we sort of we didn't really talk about some of the other Peter fight scenes in this, but. I don't know, like, did it make him look weak that Tony continuously saved him, like, in every scene, right? Like, it's the drone, and then Tony, like, I feel like, you know, he's constantly saving him, which is fine. Maybe this is just kind of the come up, right? But then even at the end, Vulture lets him live. So Vulture kind of gets the visual pin, right, um, mm-hmm. on him, too. So I don't know. Like, I think if you look at it, you could say, well, he's kind of presented in a way as a bit of a pussy <laughs> because he's fucking Spider-Man, though. But on the flip side, he's just a kid. He's just learning, and mm-hmm. this is how he's coming up, right? So it just depends on how you look at it. But it was just something that kind of kept jumping out to me where I feel like every fight was being either him saved or being spared by Vulture, which, you know, seemed crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I sort of – that kind of goes along with my, my earlier point about this, this Spider-Man uh, being a bit of a departure from – the more self-reliant, self-sufficient Spider-Man of of the comics, who, granted, is older, more experienced, but, I mean, we never really saw this degree of, like, gadgetry with comic Spider-Man. Well, that's true. I was going to ask that. Like, is that... Yeah. um, New? Like, was he always had this level of tech in the suit? No. I don't think so. Right. Not not nearly. No. I mean, they would do it for, you know, if there was a special occasion, if he had a special suit for some reason, but um, not as a general rule. In a way, I was sort of, in, in watching this movie, like, Tony gets pissed and kind of kind of yanks all the tech from him, right? And I thought, okay, well, this is where he's going to learn to just do it on his own and not be dependent on all the fancy toys from Tony Stark. 
but then he just kind of gets everything back and you're like uh, it keeps getting bailed out it keeps getting bailed out and it's like yeah. i don't know the whole time you're kind of waiting for them to take the training wheels off of the spider-man and instead they keep handing him more cool shit and it's like it is cool but it's it's not exactly the most spider-man thing in the world to do like i could see that working with like an ant-man works real well for iron man but it's just sort of like it felt like instead of spider-man it almost felt like they were making him iron man jr and i get the the relationship with him and tony is that but also Mm -hmm. as a superhero it feels like he's becoming that versus using this spidey sense and the i i mean Mm. i guess without the background of the spider bite and all that you lose Mm. some of that in there you know what i mean but like you don't really get any of that it's like everything's computerized and digitized and everything else so he's not just some of that's not there right no i agree i would say that the spidey sense stuff does not come through no much no not at all in the sequel a little bit but Mm -hmm. um, and did they even did they ever say uncle ben died in this like so like he doesn't have that tragedy either he's just kind of a kid fell into it i mean i think he mentions he kind of obliquely mentions it yeah Right, but that, uh-huh. was he murdered and all that? But it's I got, not a whole they don't get into that. deal, like true Peter Parker. Yeah, it's just a whole, um, it's just a really different take on the character. It doesn't make it better or worse, but it's just, right. again, yeah, the Spidey sense, the dead uncle driving them. Like, this is like just more of a kid who somehow kind of got enhanced powers, but now has insane tech because he's right. better than Stark. Right. So, yeah. I think a lot of it, I think a lot of it is, is also the era of movie, like, you know, even in the comics uh, or the animated shows in the 80s, uh, maybe not so much in the 90s, but definitely in the 80s, like I'm on, there was a comic Spider-Man and his amazing friends in the early 80s, and it was Spider-Man, and then one character, I think it was Iceman, and then Fire- Firestar. Firestar, yeah, Firestar. Um, like they had the superpowers, and he was just him. He had the Spidey senses, and he had the... but. But they always went up against a villain, whether it, was, whether it was Doom or, you know, whoever. I just watched one today that actually Magneto was the bad guy. It was kind of wild. Um, mm-hmm. Back then, they, uh, Stan Lee and Kirby, they just throw fucking got bad guys. It didn't matter who was in it or who was connected or whatever. And he always had, like, side, I don't say sidekicks, but he always had help from people who actually had powers. Spider-Man never really had, quote, powers, per se. He had enhanced senses and enhanced athletic ability. But, like, he doesn't have a super suit like Tony or he doesn't have super everything else like 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 Steve. He never went up against bad guys where, like, he might be a little overwhelmed. And I agree that maybe in this one he didn't get a chance to take care of the overwhelming on his own. Like, yes, you're right. He didn't get the training wheels. I agree with you 100% on that. Uh, but I think that's the modern viewer. Like, I think everyone thinks mm-hmm. in these current movies we got to have – fucking machines and crazy tech and cool CGI and all that shit. And I think sometimes they may go overboard on that. And I think maybe in this, in this case, that might be. Well, they could have just done it. it later. Right. Too like he didn't need to have it here. Like, so we could get grounded into what Spider-Man is. And maybe Tony says him once or gives him one thing. And then maybe in the next one, he's got a little bit more. And then the Avengers is a little bit more, you know, like let it come to be versus out of the gate. All of a sudden he's just loaded with like this, fucking state-of-the-art well and especially when he jailbreaks his costume basically right yeah. he doesn't even know yeah, right. the, cool the full, yeah they do the babysitter <laughs> thing or what do they call it like uh whatever the mode the is oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 
Uh, which training is, wheels, basically. Training wheels. Training, training wheels mode, yeah. yeah. But I think that the whole scene at the monument where he saves his classmates is um, confidence building. Uh, that's my favorite scene. Of yeah, that's great. It's so good. Yep. Yep. And like, that's him. Get, uh... Like that's the suit too, but that's him. Right. Um, that's his yeah. working it out and being super smart and and being brave. And none of that is Tony Stark. That's all Peter Parker. But no, agreed. Yeah, that was him, and he had to get there and be able to be put himself in a position to feel comfortable to to do that. So. Mm. I think the tech stuff is is something that bothers me more in retrospect. The first time I watched this movie, it was like. Uh, it makes sense because of his close relationship with Tony Stark. I mean, we get a pretty extended Iron Man cameo in this movie, and I, mm-hmm. I think it works pretty well. But mm-hmm. in the sequel to this, which I don't want to go on a whole thing, um, and Far From Home, they, you know, that was, I think, the opportunity to maybe move on mm-hmm. from there and, and chart a different course. And instead, they kind of doubled down on it. Well- we were grieving for Tony. We were. We were all. Yes. Yeah, I agree. Well, see, that to me would have made more sense if that's when it debuted, right? Like, you kind of either the Avengers and then Tony's gone, so he kind of left left the keys of the castle, the happy to give to him. So now he's got more of it. You know, like, so I I think this is where the slip-up was. It should have been much more rudimentary here and and have him just kind of doing it on his own with a little bit of Tony help. But sort of, yeah, you're right. Either, Either build up to it or drop down from it like if you're gonna blow your wad in this movie then then you sort of have to walk away from it yep um you can't really have it both ways and um i think that's sort of what they did and that's why it it sticks out more and it bothers me more and in this movie on rewatch um and that just kind of goes to what i was saying overall about how it's it's bending the character to fit the world rather than the other way around which I, I think you ought to do with the character of Spider-Man's profile. You also get a great cameo at the Washington Monument with uh, Martha from the Americans. She's one of the attendants. Oh. <laughs> Another great uh, sort of extended cameo with Donald Glover. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Who um, we are led to believe is who from the comics, Tim? Aaron Davis. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Prowler, but from... Yeah, Prowler, that's the name. But from the Miles Morales run, it's supposed to be. So I don't think I didn't realize this when I first watched it because I hadn't really done you know anything to do with Miles Morales. But I've been reading a lot of Miles Morales with my kids because that's who they're most. There you go. And yes, Aaron Davis is Miles Morales' uncle, who is also the Prowler. And in this movie, looking back at it, he does. I guess there's a deleted scene where he calls his nephew, but he does mention him, his nephew, when he says he's trying to keep these weapons off the street so he stays safe. So whether that was foreshadowing or what, but yes, that's uh... also isn't wasn't there like a huge movement at the time to have Donald Glover cast as Miles as Spider Man in some capacity? Yeah, I think people wanted him in Spider Man at one point, um, years ago. Right. Mm. So that's but, that's know. a fun tie-in for him, I think. All right, what else? What else stands out? The uh, Vulture Keaton. Yes. Um, nuking the shocker. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, that's a turning point. Like that's where it's like, um, all your sympathies for this guy is like, well. <laughs> well, I'm, it reminded me of the moment in Ant Man when he right. roasts the fucking guy yeah. in the bathroom. Oh, in the bathroom. bathroom. <laughs> I love that fucking scene. But I mean, yeah. it's just like that's what it felt like it's to me. Brutal. It's, like, 
it's pure, like it's almost out of nowhere a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. You know, like we're just kind of pure evil. <laughs> <That's> so good. <laughs> it's like he had to so see what would happen if he if he tried it. Like, yeah. I know this will really fuck a person up, but um, I think he liked it. I need to see I it. Give two shits. <laughs> oh darn! Yeah. Yeah, I like that a lot. Um, another, I think, uh, scene we probably need to talk about the fairy. Mm-hmm. Um, so Peter goes there to try to like thwart the deal, the weapons yep. uh, on the fairy, and ends up where the fairy uh, splits in half. Whole fucking thing splits in, yeah, splits in then, half. That's a great and, visual. And then I feel like they do a callback to some of the um, Tobey Maguire. Mm-hmm. Spider-Man's there um, with the whole hero moment where he analyzes all the structure points and, you know, like webs everything together and then um, does a whole awesome hero scene reminiscent of the train scene, I feel like um, from Toby. Very much so. Yep. And um, then, like you said, has to be saved by Tony for real this time, not just sending his suit uh, to speak for him. Which is a big moment. Like, it's a it's a demoralizing moment for Peter. That one I was sort of okay with, though. Um, just in the moment. Because it, it illustrated how even when he... Even when Spider-Man bites off more than he can chew, he's still going to try. Like, even in the face of, like, hopeless odds, he's not going to be able to pull this goddamn ship back together that it's split down the middle. But he's sure as shit going to try. And, and to your point, Jenny, it, it, that just kind of speaks to the heart of the character for all the sort of cosmetic changes that they've made um, at his core. This this still feels very much like Spider-Man mm-hmm. um, that that is firmly intact. And, you know, sometimes he's going to fail because he isn't the most powerful Um so yeah, I, I I was sort of all right. I mean, what the alternative there is, he fails and everybody dies. So I, <laughs> I don't know that I want to see that yeah. in a Spider-Man movie. So I'll allow the compromise of <laughs> of Iron Man coming in and sort of mopping up. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed that scene just to show that he. I mean, he is a kid and he is going to be in over his head, but he's he's not going to quit just because of that. But he takes it real hard, though. I mean, yeah, oh, sure. once Tony pulls that support, it's like, ah, fuck. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, I think that hurt more than it did than blowing it. The fact that he disappointed his idol, mm-hmm. uh, I think, is was crushing. And I thought that was a good. I think that dynamic between Tom Holland and, and Robert Downey Jr. is is visible and real. And uh, I think it makes the second movie that much better emotionally. Because they're so tight, and we see that when we get to Infinity War. But I think that's where, JR, you were saying that maybe they were going too fast. I think this is where they pump the brakes. Uh, he doesn't, it's not like, oh, you fucked up, keep using the stuff. No, it's like, no, you're, you're, you're not ready for this. Mm-hmm. And I think that, I feel like as much as they did kind of accelerate him, hey, look at this great uh, chest of toys, that he did have to give them back, you're not ready for this yet. But then after that, he still goes after the bad guy without right. the tech. You right. Know? And I, I'm yeah. almost wondering if that's if that was Tony's passive aggressive plan. Mm-hmm. Like, I know yeah. he's gonna, I know he's going to try to fix this, but that's I'm fucked up. On his own. But also, yes, <laughs> I could see Tony doing it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah oh, yeah. I, totally I, you know, absolutely. Yeah. Right. Right. And, and 
speaking of Tony, it's like, um, let's face it, he he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing either when it comes to mm. trying to be a mentor to somebody. Let's right. face it. I mean, right. he, he definitely sees a lot of himself in Peter and wants to set a good example for Peter, but he doesn't entirely know how to go about doing that. Um, you know, he's this childless bachelor who's, you know, been a womanizer his entire life. He's only recently attempted to turn it around and be a better person, but he's Super still a far cry. Yeah. yeah, secret daddy issues. Like, he's still a far cry from, like, an ideal mentor for anyone, especially a young person. And to kind of thrust himself into that role is like, uh, make it up as I go along. But Tony's probably not very sure that he's making the right decisions right. either. Mm. I feel like that's why he leans on the tech, too. I mean, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. it's cool. I mean, like, look, I'm a fuck up and, like, I kind of don't know what I'm doing, but, like, this tech is amazing and I, this I do well. So I will give And you it's this. a shortcut around exactly. a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in all honesty, uh, Peter has more powers than Tony. Tony's power is the suit and his mind. Whereas, you know, Peter actually has yes, somewhat powers. So Tony didn't have the suit. He'd just be what he was in the first movie, a rich smartass. So maybe that's kind of his, like, you know, you're lucky. You actually, I mean, he doesn't say it, but it's almost like, you know, you're lucky. You're like Steve. You're like, uh, mm. you know, you're like, well, you're not really Thor, but, you know, you're like uh, Stephen Strange or whatever. You, you, you have what I don't have. You actually have powers you can use without the help of anything. Mm-hmm. And, you're, and you're, a, you're fucking it up. So guess what? I'm taking away the, 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 the enhancements. You use what you've got. And I think passive aggressively, that's what Tony it was doing. We know he was going to go after Tombs. We know he's going to try to redeem himself for, for fucking up on the ferry. But you got to do it with what you've got, not with what I can give you. And I think that was, I think it's perfect. Again, it's also Tony, like, not knowing what the fuck he's doing either. He's, that's why I think he's the perfect mentor for Peter, because just as much as Peter doesn't know what the hell he's doing half the time, Tony's kind of kind of doesn't know what the hell he's doing half the time. You know, like, like it's better yeah. than Steve. Like, Steve Rogers would know how to handle this, because that's the kind of thing, being in the military back in the day and that kind of stuff, he knows how to mentor and that kind of thing. Whereas Tony doesn't really know have a fucking clue. So they're, they're all kind of doing their own thing and kind of, like, winging it. It makes for perfect cinema. It really did. It really did. Very emotional. I think it's also telling that um, Tony seems to have no regard whatsoever to the fact that Peter is a 15 year old high school student. (laughs) Right. Um, Like that just does. He, he has no concept of what that even means really, because you got to figure what's his frame of reference. What was he doing when he was 15? He's like this child. Yeah. Yeah. Prodigy. Like it it just doesn't mean anything. Whereas, You bring up the point of somebody like Steve Rogers, who is probably looking at this and probably, you know, reflecting on when he first encounters Spider-Man and, and, you know, the airport in Civil War going, oh, my God, what is this child doing here? (laughs) It is just that has has just a better mind for we have to be like responsible as adults than than somebody like Tony does. But, you know, Captain America would so not work as a mentor um for spider-man maybe in, in all the wrong ways but in different wrong ways that that tony is not an ideal mentor either but right. sort of gives him the kick that he needs yeah and and then like all of that i think in general is balanced out well by 
the straight relief that like the other students and the teachers play, like they really casted all of that well mm-hmm. um, to play off the gravity of the of the relationship with Tony and the stuff with Vulture, him, him you know destroying a guy. I think that too helped carry this movie along and push it through in a different way by having uh, just a set group of people that have like no clue what the hell's going on, um, but it end up being kind of important to the story because they're involved in all the big moments. Like Guilfoyle. Mm. <laughs> yeah, and certainly as we talked about previously, Liz's just connection to mm-hmm. tombs. Uh, it's a little bit one of those movie coincidences that are always a little bit, mm, well, that's nice. Um, but that's sort of melodrama you come to expect in these things. Uh, but that is some pretty important connective tissue for sure. So how do we feel about the ending where it's like, Liz is like, okay, well, my dad doesn't want me around for the trial, so we're going away. And um, everything mm, is yeah. just cor- sort of like, eh. I definitely want to talk about the, the end with the plane and the – because it goes back to – I think it goes back to what we were talking about earlier about the kind of villain that, that Vulture is, even though he did incinerate uh, Bokeem Woodbine um, uh, pretty much. Um like Tony, like Peter realizes this guy, I, I'm not going to kill this guy. We're not, we're not killers. This isn't fucking Thanos or, or Loki's army or any of those fucking guys in New York or whatever. This is a guy who's stealing stuff because he thinks he got screwed. He's got to go to jail, but he doesn't deserve to die. So saving him and taking the suit off him when the suit blows up and, and then he, you know, Peter does the right thing and sends, you know, pretty much sends him to prison goes back to the, all right, Peter understands what this guy was, what his agenda was. He wasn't taking over the world. He wasn't destroying Earth. He wanted a, he wanted his piece of the pie that he felt was stolen from him. And whereas it's not totally a victimless crime, there's not a direct danger of people. So in the end, Peter realizes, yeah, this guy belongs in the clink and not dead. So I'm going to, you know, I'm not just going to let him sit there and die and let the suit blow up and kill him. That's not, that's not the punishment that's deserved. He needs to be put forth and justice needs to be served the right way. And I think that is what we see the maturity of Peter over the last like 45 minutes of the movie. And that in the end, Toombs is relatively sympathetic to a certain extent. He did murder a guy, but he also murdered a fellow criminal. So, you know, and that to me uh, was just amazing writing, amazing directing, and just the emotional attachment that you have for the characters in this movie that maybe we haven't seen in the others. And maybe that's because Peter's like the little kid of the bunch, you know, it's hard to feel bad for Tony or feel bad for Steve or feel bad for Thor because they're fucking superheroes. Whereas Peter's kind of a, you know, he's he still does have the training wheels on mentally and emotionally. That made, I think, for amazing storytelling at the end that I don't want to kill this guy. I mean, he's a he's a belongs in prison, but I'm not just going to let him sit there and let the suit blow him up. No, he'll we'll, we're going to do this the right way. And I think ultimately that's what Tony was impressed about with him and why he was redeemed at the end of the movie. I just think that last. I know we, we've talked about, like, climax scenes in all of these, all of the movies we've done so far. And even though this one didn't have that bombast of any of the Avengers or, 
any of the Iron Mans or whatever, Winter Soldier or whatever, um, or Civil War. There's been enough death in this city. I'm not letting this guy die. And I think that that proved the maturity level that Tony wanted to see, ultimately. I think it's just incredible film shooting and storytelling at the end there, in my opinion. It really was. Yeah, and then we get some interesting credit scenes too, Jenny, right? I mean, this is like one of the ones... Some of the credit scenes we've seen in other movies that weren't as impactful, but I think this one we get a couple with the, um, you know, the teased Spider-Man joining the Avengers and then kind of says no, and Tony fakes it like it was a test. But then, kind of out of nowhere, we get a rare Pepper Potts sighting, which which I think you don't get like a ton of her, but here she is here, mm-hmm. and then get the proposal, which is like a big moment to be kind of stuck in the credit scenes of Spider-Man. Mm. Um, so I thought it was an interesting one there. I actually loved it. I mean... <laughs> Yep, me too. Yeah, y'all know how I am, but mm-hmm. um, it was like a real uh, backdoor proposal, if you want to say yeah, that way. Like, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, we also got she, uh, just, she just it, rolled with it, right? She was just like, "Ah, oh, really? All right." Instead of announcing new adventures, I guess I'll just fucking marry you. Like that's fine. It's hilarious. It's great. We also get happy creeping in the boys' bathroom of the school as part of it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, Favreau is so great at that. He Favreau is, is amazing in that role. He really is. He really is. And then we get the tease of Aunt May seeing Peter. Um, so now it looks like that's going to be something to deal with in the future ones. And then also, I mean, I guess kind of a tease that Vulture may not be done in that. In jail. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do y'all think? Y'all want to see more Vulture? I think we're going to. They're, I hope so. Didn't they... Do the thing with uh, the trailer, the teaser for Morbius, mm. which is a movie that no one cares about. But if you uh, like, um, uh, <laughs> I knew you were going to object to that. I strongly object to that. But if you like, uh, if you like um, Adrian Toomes, if you like Michael Keaton's performance, that seems like the next place you uh, have a chance of seeing him. Can't wait. And then that, you that's also won't be tied into this, though, is it? No, probably not. And then you also wonder in that scene in the jail, just to get back to what I was saying before, when the guy asks him, you know, I heard you know who Spider-Man is, was was Toomes, again, this is the greatness of Michael Keaton, is he protecting Peter because as kind of a, 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 a payback for saving his life? Or is mm-hmm. he like, I'm not throwing away this fact just for some dipshit like you. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I took I'm, it that he was owing him one. Oh, yeah. I think so, too. A little bit of both, maybe. I, I it, it's just how great Michael Keaton is. You just don't know. It's awesome. Yeah. You just don't know. He's tremendous. Yeah. Is does he owe him? Is it? I agree. I think it's a bit of both. I think it's like you know what, kid, you get this one, but just remember. I don't think he's above playing that card if it really suits him. But, Absolutely, I agree. But not, um, yeah. not not in the you know not in this prison fishbowl. Some random dude. Right. The uh, one other last interesting thing, and we talked about Spider Sense and all this other stuff. Is Peter also not a photographer in these? Like, I feel like they really did go off. Mm, uh, yeah, not really. Well, not he's really. not working. He's not working for the Bugle. Right. None of it. So, yeah. There's no. But he's not even like an amateur no... photographer. Like they haven't even mentioned no. that he does any sort of photography. Yeah. No. There's no J. There's no J. There's no Jameson. Yeah. No Robbie. Yeah. None well, of those. I mean, it. I guess that's part of the whole like newspaper culture isn't really a thing anymore that's all i was gonna say um, it's a bit outdated uh nobody would yeah, but he is newspaper photographer up. anymore 
Right, but Jameson well, shows up eventually. Well, yeah, but he's more of like this Alex Jones psycho. Right. <laughs> um, Alex Jones! As opposed to like a, you know, actual legitimate... I mean, they even I mean, advanced that... I don't know, I, I, I know, JR, you don't watch it, but Jenny and Tim, if you watched the Spider-Man animated series in the 90s, uh, like yeah. Jay Jonah didn't just own the Bugle. He owned like a media conglomerate, TV stations and everything. So even yeah. in the 90s, Jonah's role expanded mm. from just running the newspaper. Yeah, he took pictures, but he expanded the role even then. So I, I, yeah, I, just being the photographer. And that was in 2000 he was doing that, even in the movie. So it's weird, but they definitely had to sculpt. I think a lot of it has to do with the fact he's that the Avengers are involved. Like every other spider, like we, we said it at the beginning, Every other Spider-Man movie, he was pretty much on his own. It was him. Now, yeah. you know, he's with, you know, he's pretty much a freelancer for the Avengers. He doesn't have time to take pictures of burglars and, you know, bank robbers and shit. I've got to, I'm eventually going to have to save the universe. I don't have time for a part-time job. You know what I mean? So I, I think in that aspect, a lot of the original, you know, a lot of the Spider-Man Peter Parker origin had to be taken out because it just wouldn't have fit. Where yeah, there, there are those now, you know. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it, for all the bitching I do about what they've changed <laughs> about the character, I, I will concede that there are elements of the character that we think of as very classic and sort of intrinsic that today feel or would play as very dated or very small time, mm. um, for for a shared universe, such mm -hmm. as like a, a metropolitan newspaper even being like a thing that right. carries any sort of weight. Um, Peter Parker being a photographer is just, again, very small time right? Um, and old fashioned. Mm. And I think it kind of worked in the, in the Tobey Maguire movies because those movies were a bit um, kind of, kind of throwbacky and just mm. the way they were so stylized. So, yeah, I, I just think that's a big difference um, yeah. in presentation. Yep. Okay, anything else before we get to our awards? Okay. I think we're no. good. Alrighty. Yeah. Um, Favorite character besides our main hero? I gotta go with Vulture. On that. Yeah, I mean, it's... <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I mean, shout out to Ned, too, though. He's up yeah, there. Yeah. He's great. been so great. He might have been the next... Favorite scene? Probably the car, right? That's where I land every car time. Good. Yeah, the car scene's good. The the byplay the with Spider Man and the and the three dopes in the ATM machine is pretty funny. But the car is pretty awesome though. The the monument scene is real good too, but it's just something so like subtle and evil mm -hmm. about that car scene. <laughs> yeah. gets me. Yep. Menacing. I, yeah. I gave it to the monument scene because it's it's a big hero moment for Spider Man. And he's doing something that should feel almost beneath our big time powerhouse characters. Like this would be nothing for for Iron Man. This would be mm. nothing for Thor, right? Mm. To to save these kids, you know, at the Washington Monument or whatever. But here, you know, it's like Spider Man is he's very new at this. Um, he's very unsure of himself, and he actually feels like he's in peril. Like, mm. just watching the scene, it's a very tense scene where I'm thinking, mm. God, if that's me up there, I'm <laughs> filling up my costume right now, you know, <laughs> trembling. And it's like, it's, of course, it's, it's Spider-Man. It's, it's not like he's going to be afraid of heights, but it just, it still felt like 
he was in actual danger in that scene, just doing something so almost mundane for another type of superhero movie. And I, I just thought it was incredibly effective. Same, I think, for a, a kind of low-key comedy moment when he's locked in the, the bunker when he follows oh. the tech. <laughs> and then they do this like whole montage of him wasting time and talking mm. to a suit. And then he's mm-hmm. like, how long have we been in here? And she says, 37 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> It's so good. It's really, mm. really good. And then he goes into trying to solve the problem, you know, like it's so funny. Uh low yeah, key comedy fun. Um, what are our other least favorite character? This is a weird oh, one for this one. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people would probably say MJ. A lot of people don't like Ned. <sighs> I find it hard pressed to find somebody I don't like the dick uh Flash. Flash is but I mean he's not supposed good. to be. Yeah. Yeah. He's real good as a dick guy. I don't know. Nobody's bad in this movie. Yeah, nobody's really bad at what they're supposed to be in this movie. Like, there's nobody who just sucks in the movie. Mm-mm. Yeah. Tough one. Yeah, I don't know. Honestly, I don't. Maybe the. Yeah, I have no one. They're all well. It's well casted. They're all. It is. It really is. It really is a really good movie. Um, mm. I guess. I mean, that... maybe we can say Liz because she's almost more of a cipher. Mm. She's kind of just a plot device, but. Does that matter? Not really. Not really. No. Um, it's a really good plot device, and yeah, it works I mean, for works. a really good yeah. swerve in the we movie. Don't, so. It's not like we really need to see her again, right. even right. though I think we kind of do, but oh well. <laughs> All right, so I guess that just leads us to our score and ranking. Where are you at on it, Tim? Mm, gosh. Um, this is one of those movies that kind of would slot in that same tier as like a guardians of the galaxy where it's a, um, a real pleasant surprise, but I don't know if I'm as high on it as, as everyone. Although looking at my, my rankings here, what did I give guardians? Uh, so I gave the original guardians an eight and a quarter. So it's, it's sort of a question of, do I like this more than guardians? I think just a notch, above it oh really okay. yeah but i don't know if i like it more than guardians too okay. so i'm gonna give it the same score that i gave guardians eight and a quarter with the caveat that i like this more than the eight and a quarter i gave guardians <laughs> maybe i'll put 8.26 <laughs> it sorts better wait scott what i'm gonna do uh, it's not often, I don't know if this, I, I might've done this once before on our show, but this is one of those times where I had a grade in mind when we started. And as I've, as we've been talking, I think I actually talked myself into grading it higher. I originally, I originally was going to give this an eight, uh, but as I've talked about it and we've kind of gone over it and how amazing the characters are when we've really been talking about it and the, and the emotion with, with, with the Tony peter relationship and even the peter tombs relationship that we see at the end um and the way that tom holland just really embraced the role and maybe the best depiction of peter in the environment he's in like i don't know if like let's put it this way would toby mcguire fit with these guys absolutely not (laughs) no fucking way would andrew garfield fit with this group absolutely not for some reason tom holland just fits with all these guys with with the with these Avengers, I can't see Tobey Maguire fighting alongside Tony and Steve, and I just, I can't see it. Right. And that's why I think 
this. So I'm actually going to bump this up. I'm going to give it an eight and a half. Uh, I, I never realized, I realized as I'm talking about how much I really love this movie now and how this may be the best way to fit this incarnation of Spider-Man into this story that maybe the other ones, uh, Toby and Andrews, couldn't. And that was probably the most difficult thing to do was how are we going to make Spider-Man different from those to fit in this universe? And they did. So uh, I got to give I got to give kudos to it. So I went in tonight giving it an eight and us talking about it added a half point. So I'm giving it eight and a half. Wow. What about you, Justin? So on my original notes when I watched it, I actually had this at seven and three quarters, which is obviously quite low for me. But I think I just kind of had it like in the realm of my other debut episodes for standalone stuff, right? Like Mm -hmm. Captain America, the first one I gave seven and three quarters. The first Thor I gave an eight. Ant-Man, I gave an eight, right? Like this, I kind of start there for some of these. Um, But then I thought like, I I like this like more than probably the first Thor, you know, like, but anyway, I'm going to put it right on there. I'm going to give it an eight for the first one. I liked it a lot. It's a a great movie. Um, I think it's below, uh, you know, some of the other big ones. I wouldn't have it in my top tier, but there's a lot to like in here. I think at the end of the day, it's still just a story that you could potentially remove and not, terribly much changes besides Tony and Pepper not getting engaged, right? Um, so, like, if, if this doesn't happen, we're fine. So, in the grand scheme of things, I think it's, it takes a little hit there. But overall, it's still really enjoyable. It's really well done, and I like the different take on it. I appreciate that they tried to make it different and stand out in unique ways as well. I think I am going to slide right in there, too, with an eight. Um, the more I think about it, it feels low, but then I'm like, honestly... Like Scott said, the more that we talk about it and I'm thinking about things that I've never thought about before, like the whole photographer thing, like I didn't even think about <laughs> that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and a couple of others, but Tom Holland is wonderfully cast. The villain is top tier mm-hmm. uh, in MCU and the comedy, very little low points in the movie, but I still, I can't put it above like an Iron Man. So um, I'm going to give it the eight. Isn't it weird that saying I'm giving it an eight and that seems low is yeah. such a, like, yeah. I mean, it only goes up to 10, right? So right. it's, and I think we all kind of feel that way that this, but we're remarkably consistent here in our, our ratings, you know, it's, we're, um, right in line on this one. Does anybody want to go over all of the rankings for me in order? Goodness. Well, how shall we, where shall we start? Um, start with you. Okay. How would you like me best to worst or worst to best? I know you, you get mad sometimes when we, uh, <laughs> well, I've been beaten down. Um, yeah. I'm going to go with the way you that don't you don't do choose. it. Right. Yeah. All right. I'm going to go from worst to best here. There you go. So my worst film at a four is The Incredible Hulk. No surprise there. Then we have Thor The Dark World, six and a quarter. Iron Man 3, six and a half. Doctor Strange, six and three quarters. I have Iron Man 2 and Ant-Man both at a seven. We'll put Ant-Man above Iron Man 2 in that case. Uh, Thor, the original Thor, seven and three quarters. Uh, Avengers Age of Ultron, next, kind of in the middle of the pack at an eight. Guardians of the Galaxy, the original, eight and a quarter. 
Spider-Man Homecoming sliding in. Another eight and a quarter. like that a little bit more than Guardians. But uh, then we've got Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 with an eight and a half. Captain America, the first Avenger, eight and three quarters. Now we're getting into my nine, starting with Captain America, the Winter Soldier, nine even. Iron Man, the original, is nine and a quarter. Captain America Civil War, I gave a nine and a half. And Avengers, I've got sitting at a perfect ten. Naturally. So that gives me a composite ranking. If I can do this right. There we go. Of. Oh, shit. Breath. <laughs> wonderful. Fucking wonderful. I'll fix it. Oh, good lord. All right. We'll edit and post. I love it. I love it. You think you have it so together, you know? And then these fucking things happen. Fucking unbelievable. Okay, so my composite score. the, um, the, The numbers going forward in your recitation here. My recitation. Seven points. We'll say eight for a composite. Uh, Scott's next. All right. Uh, I'll go from bottom to top as well, because I'm the only one who doesn't have the Incredible Hulk at the bottom, although it's not that high. Uh, Thor, the, it's the first time Tim hasn't said Thor the doo-doo shit. So I'll say Thor the doo-doo shit uh, at four. Incredible Hulk, five and a half. Uh, Age of Ultron, six and a half. Iron Man, three, seven. Ant-Man, seven and a quarter. And then Thor, Guardians, two. Civil War and Avengers 1, all seven and a half. Wow. Guardians and First Avengers, seven and three quarters. Iron Man 2, eight. Uh, first Iron Man, eight and a quarter. Homecoming and Doctor Strange, eight and a half. And at the top is Winter Soldier at nine and three quarters. So my average, the lowest of the four of us, 7.42. But based on the next, our last seven movies, that number is going to jump uh, significantly. So. What Jared. was your composite? Uh, seven point. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Tim, your turn's over. Stop fucking around. I didn't do that. I didn't do uh, that. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> My composite right. was seven point. It was seven point. I'll round up. Oh. It was seven point four. Okay. Seven point four. But it's going to go up as we continue the last seven episodes or six episodes. Seven. All right. From worst to best, uh, Hulk at four. Thor, doo-doo shit, fuckface at seven. <laughs> First Avenger at seven and three quarters. Uh, then I have four straight at eight. I would have Thor at the bottom of those, then Ant-Man, then Homecoming, and then Iron Man one. Then I have Doctor Strange at eight and a quarter. Iron Man two at eight and a half. My very, very controversial Iron Man three at eight and three quarters. <laughs> Avengers at nine. Guardians of the Galaxy one at nine. And then Ultron nine and a quarter. Civil War and Guardians 2, both at nine and a half in that order. And then Captain America, the Winter Soldier at 10. Perfect score. Tim mm-hmm. screwed up the math on mine, so I don't know the average. I think you were seven. I know I'm the highest of everyone. So, All right, read my rankings, too, because I just fucking closed out of this thing. <laughs> um, I don't even know the fucking order for you. Uh, I got it. Uh, hang on. Uh, two, oh, we do have it now. So... All right, Jenny is uh, Hulk 2, Thor the Doo-Doo Fuckface Shit 5, uh, First <laughs> Avenger 6, Doctor Strange 7, uh, Iron Man 2, 7 and a half, Ant-Man and Thor 7 and 3 quarters, 
Homecoming, Ga- uh, Guardians 2, and Iron Man 8, Avengers 8 and a quarter, Iron Man 3, and Guardians 1, 9, Ultron 9 and a quarter, and Winter Soldier and Civil War 9 and a half for a total of, I think you were 7, 9, I think. Justin, I think That's- you were like 8, 1. It's fucking sexy. I like yeah, that. I don't think I was that high. Do you like it? No, I think you were. I think you were like eight point. I, I, I'm pretty sure you're over eight. <laughs> but we don't know because Tim is breaking pie here. So I'm going to fix it. I'm so, going to fix it is what I'm going to do. Somebody's fix, somebody broke pie, so we don't even know. But I'm pretty it's sure Justin, you're all. I think all you're right. over While we're fixing, Scott, what you got coming up? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at PTB Podfather. And, of course, you can follow the Place to Be Wrestling Network on Twitter at PTB and Wrestling. And uh, follow the great shows uh, that all of you are on on the PTB Wrestling Network. All great, all the time. Justin? All great, all the time. North South Connection Podcast Network. Check it out. I'm a JT the Pod Guy on Twitter. Yeah, do the damn thing. Uh, listen to the, the returned now talking pop right here on the Jenny position. In addition to this great show, that's where you can hear me. Um, also, I, I have shows across the quad of pods uh, that I'm sure these fine folks We'll tell you more about. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Psych68, C Y K E 68, on the Twitter machine. Follow me at Jenny Position. Um, review some shit. That'd be fantastic. You can do that <laughs> on, on all the platforms and the Facebook page, too. Um, cool shows coming here with Hot Totes. Um, you heard about Pluto and the return of Geek and Sassy soon, hopefully. So follow us there. And we will see you next time on the journey through the